Every day is filled with thousands of choices, thousands of decisions. And every decision that you make every day is a fork in the road, a choice between paths. What road are you on? Your decisions, where are they taking you? Are you making wise decisions that lead to life or foolish decisions that lead to death? My first year of college, my roommate, a good friend of mine today, also a fellow pastor, brother in Christ, Jeremy, he had, he drove a 1980 Toyota Celica. And for some reason, we would from time to time choose his car to drive around and discuss theology, and debate theology, talk about our girlfriends or not having girlfriends, and talk about life. And here's what we would do. We would leave the house, and he would throw up a number with one hand, and I would throw up another number with my hand. And if it was an even number, at that intersection, we would turn left, and then we would keep talking. Then we would come to another intersection, throw up our hands. If it was an odd number at that point, we'd, we'd turn right. We would do this every intersection that we randomly went to. And Jeremy's secret goal was for me to never be able to find my way home. And per my recollection, he may disagree. I always found our way home. But we found ourselves far from home. And we would often find ourselves down roads that we had never been on. One of the nights I remember doing this, it was later in the evening. This was back when apparently we had money just to spend on gas and just drive around. <laughs> we did our numbers, we took our lefts, we took our rights. We found ourselves outside Lufkin, Texas somewhere on some very narrow dirt road, trees on both sides, dusty, thick brush, very dark at night. We've been driving for a while, discussing for a while. Our conversation was coming to an end. We were getting a little tired of the exercise. We finally decided maybe this is where we turn around and go home. So we stopped in the middle of a road. I don't know if it was he or I who was driving. Pulled up, backed up, pulled up, backed up, kind of you know, meandered our way around the road to turn back around and go in the other direction. And at one point, the car backed up perpendicular to the road we looked back, both of us, to see a mailbox. The dust cleared. In the middle of a pitch dark night on this dusty road, the mailbox number was 666. Now, I was a near-grown man at this moment, in my 20s nearly. Let me just say, we were ready to go home. I think in our minds, we were calling for our mothers we sped out of there. We fully expected someone with a chainsaw to be chasing us down the road. We found ourselves on a road that we didn't want to be on, so it seemed. What often begins as a fun, enjoyable, pleasurable road may actually lead you somewhere you don't want to go. What path are you on? Are you living by wisdom? Or are you living in foolishness. How are you making choices? How do you make decisions? 
Are you leaving your life to odd and even, to chance? How can we confidently make choices that put us in paths of righteousness and blessing with God? That's what we're going to find in Proverbs 2. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning and for this time. We come now to open up your word. Father, at this church, we have no better thing to do than to come and sit and sing and open your word and hear from you. There are so many voices in the world, God, our own conversations in our own heads, spouses, family, magazines, books. Oh, God, would you help us hear from you? Father, we pray that you would help us this morning even more live and experience what we have just sung. I was blinded by my sin. I had no ears to hear your voice. Oh, Father, would that be our great hope that we would only by you be able to see and only by you be able to hear your voice. Not the voice of a man, the voice of God. We ask for it. We ask for your help by the Spirit as we open your word just now. In Jesus' name, amen. There are two paths, wisdom and folly. Two paths, wisdom and folly. We want to, this morning, consider in Proverbs chapter 2 how to walk, how to find, how to know and live the path of wisdom. We'll see in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, we see first that if you search for wisdom, you'll find God. If you search for wisdom, you'll find God. Look what he says in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and if you raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Search for wisdom you'll find God. Three times in this passage, the teacher says, if, if you receive, if you call out, if you search for it. The Proverbs teacher is calling us to look for wisdom, be searching for insight, be searching for understanding. So, you need help in your ears, in your heart, and in your mouth. Be looking and searching for wisdom like treasure he says, like for hidden treasure. My kids watch a show where this guy puts on a GoPro onto his chest and he dives down to the ocean floor and he's got some kind of magnet in his hands and he will put on YouTube hours of video of himself diving on the ocean floor looking for treasures. And my kids will watch this all day. And it'll, he'll go five minutes and he'll find a 15-year-old cell phone. Or, or he might find a, another pair of 10-year-old glasses. Every now and then, of course, he finds a wedding ring. 
but he's just scouring, looking. And when you look, it just looks like, who would find anything? Who's down here looking for them? He's looking for treasure. Proverbs is calling us to seek out wisdom like we would seek for silver, like we would look for hidden treasure. Seek for wisdom like that. There's a quality about wisdom that it can be right in front of you, but you will never find it unless you are hunting for it. Now, is this all to say that wisdom is hard to find, that wisdom is difficult to understand? Not so much. It's more about your disposition to God and wisdom. It's about your ears being attentive to wisdom, listening actively. It's about your heart, he says, incline your heart to understanding. Your heart should be hungry, looking, humble for wisdom. Your mouth should be calling out for insight, asking for wisdom, asking people for help, asking God for help, asking God's word for help. Be looking for it like hidden treasures on the path of life, what is coming into your ears? What does your heart want? What is your voice asking for? As you find yourselves in a wicked, evil, troubled way, ask yourselves, what wisdom am I seeking and how? In the 1840s, men were willing to leave their comfortable homes in the east to travel far away to California where they would live in tents and spend day after day in back-breaking labor, all because they hoped to find some nuggets of gold. Friends, have you gotten off the couch to look for wisdom? Have you listened to a sermon? One way you can diligently make your ear attentive to wisdom is every week gather with the church to hear from God's Word. Have you picked up a book on God's wisdom? Have you opened your Bible at home alone and prayed, God, I need wisdom? Have you asked a friend for good godly counsel? Have you prayed to God, asking Him in prayer, God, help me, give me direction, give me counsel, help me know the way? If our ears and our eyes and our hearts and our mouths are not looking for and calling for wisdom, we'll miss it. We may walk right past it. Just think about it this week. What came into your ears? What came out of your mouth? What did you ask someone for this week? What did you ask God for this week? What did your heart want this week? You made thousands of choices this week. Thousands. Based on what? Those decisions, well, who said that was a good thing? Who guided all of those decisions? Did you do it on your own? Or were you searching for wisdom, for help, and guidance along the way? The psalmist, excuse me, the Proverbs is teaching, if you're looking for wisdom, you'll ultimately find God. If you're looking for wisdom, verse 5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. On the search for, the wis- for wisdom at the end of this rainbow, what treasure do you find? Who, who hears the call from your mouth for wisdom? If anyone's going to be a source of wisdom, it will be God Himself. 
The search for wisdom in life will land you in a right, fearful relationship to God Himself. If you want wisdom, if you want a guide for life to help you make decisions, God. The Proverbs is saying God is the source of wisdom. The primary source of wisdom is not age. There are such things as very old fools. The primary source of wisdom is not experience. I mean, people have done the same thing over and over and over and over and not grown in any wisdom. The primary source of wisdom is not an education that you pay for. Do you buy yourself an education? That doesn't make you wise. The primary source of wisdom is not education you pay for or information that you seek the internet for. You don't have to go to college to be wise. Wisdom is not the same as common sense. Wisdom is not the same as just good old common sense. Everybody has it, right? The source of wisdom is God and the knowledge of God. Several commentaries on Proverbs will mention that a lot of the book of Proverbs read like ancient Near East literature. If you put some of Proverbs from the Bible up against ancient Egyptian wisdom or even say in more modern era, relatively Buddhistic wisdom, you might find some similarities. For example, Proverbs chapter 20 verse 4 The sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. The sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. Well, I think most Taoists would agree with this. Anyone who's ever tried to farm, if you don't plant seeds, nothing grows. You don't have to be a Christian to know this wisdom. You don't have to pray necessarily to know this kind of wisdom. Pretty self-explanatory, right? Muslims and Taoists, tarot card readers alike, they would all agree with wisdom like that. You don't plant seeds, you don't get crops. And yet here is what Proverbs is declaring. That all wisdom, that wisdom, if it is true and wise, comes from God. The ultimate test for wisdom ultimately is theology. Wisdom and theology, as it turns out, are really inseparable disciplines. Proverbs is saying something that ancient Egyptians and Buddhists won't say. That God is personally the source of all knowledge and wisdom. If it's wise to plant your crops in the autumn so that you'll have a harvest... In the spring, guess what? That's God's wisdom. All wisdom is from God. If this is God's world created by God, sustained by God, overseen by God, then God and God alone is the one who understands it. You ever go somewhere that someone else has already been? You know, never tell me that you're going to Franklin's barbecue or that you're looking for barbecue. I will tell you all the things that you need to know. I'll give you all the instructions, what time to get there, how long to wait, what to take with you, what to order. You ever go somewhere someone else has already been, they tell you what to see, who to talk to, and, and generally it's, it's good, it's helpful. You, you get some inside tips, don't, don't go bother with this route, go, go find this guy. 
Don't bother parking over there. There's a better place to park over here. God made the world. He's been there. He knows how it works. He understands it and you and me and evil and righteousness. There is no talk show host or no author or no speaker, no Facebook wisdom chat group that knows you and the world and sin and righteousness like God. Friends, we are not wise because we are ourselves, just because we are. Wisdom is not common sense. Wisdom is not innate in us. Our hearts must be attempted to go find it, to search for it like treasure, to admit, I don't have, I, I don't have it. I, I need it from, from the outside in. Any search for wisdom that really finds wisdom finds God because God alone is the source of wisdom. There's no such thing as godless wisdom. See the next verse, verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. You, you might expect when you open the book of Proverbs that the book of Proverbs it really isn't a theological book, that the book of Proverbs is about wisdom. We've got all these books that give us commands, all these other books in the Bible that give us theology and doctrine. We've got the Gospels that give us history. And we've, got, and we've got wisdom that just gives us some practical direction. When we open the book of Proverbs, it's telling us, go to God. Go to God. Wisdom is in Genesis to Revelation. Everything about God is wisdom to us from His mouth. From Him come knowledge and understanding. God never went to seminary. God never searched for anything on Google. God never asked anyone for help. God never went to the self-help shelf at the bookstore to see if He could get some counsel. It comes from His mouth because it comes from Him. Friends, you cannot have a right relationship with wisdom until you have a right relationship with God. You cannot walk in wisdom until you are walking with God. You cannot do it. Perhaps you need to repent today. Perhaps you should repent of listening to your own heart rather than turning your heart to listen to God. Perhaps you would repent of doing life on your own as if you are wise not looking for wisdom outside. Maybe repent of making a thousand decisions and never considering God in any of them. Maybe trying to repent from getting wisdom from God, wisdom in the world, while trying to somehow keep God outside of your life, keep God's counsel outside. Just help me find a parking place. But don't, don't worry so much about my marriage, God. Help me with my job, God. But don't, don't bother my addiction. You cannot be right with wisdom until you are right with God because God gives wisdom and from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. Wisdom, having insight to make good and righteous choices in life does not come from inside of us. It comes from God. My friends, the idea of following your heart was not invented by Disney. Following your heart and being true to your heart is also, a is, is also not a construct of postmodern expressive individualism. 
It's the natural state of our sinful hearts. It's exactly the reason that Israel went into exile so many thousand years ago. Consider the words of prophet Jeremiah to the people of Israel who are already in exile from their land, which as a little precursor is mentioned in the last verse of this passage. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 16 through 17, thus says the Lord of hosts, don't listen to the words of the prophets who prophesied to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions from their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, if you despise the word of the Lord, false prophets say, it shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, no disaster shall come upon you. You'll be fine. The mantra of the false prophets so many thousand years ago was, follow your heart. You follow your heart. And the Proverbs are teaching us, you want to walk in wisdom, you want to make choices that, that lead to life, turn your heart to God. Isn't that wonderful? We, we know that Proverbs is a book about wisdom. We, we expect that when we open it to find wisdom. But when we open the book of wisdom, what is the first thing it's teaching us? God is the source of wisdom. Look to the creator in the created world. Look to the one who made this world and make your heart attentive to him. Make your eyes eager to see his wisdom. Make your heart eager to receive his wisdom. Search for wisdom in God. Pray. Pray to God asking for wisdom. Read God's Word. Open your eyes and put it on the pages of God's Word. So often we are, we kind of treat the Bible like we treat, well, let me speak for myself, like I treat Siri and her directions on the map. I mean, I will I, to this day, 10 years later, 11 years later after living in Austin, will still put places I'm going in the map. And what I'll do is I'll start singing, I'll start talking, I'll start looking at the weather, and Siri's going, redirect, reroute, reroute. I just missed my turn like six exits ago. I'm just driving around. Friends, we do this with God's Word all the time. We, we kind of have an idea that it's good, but we're not actually reading it. So your eyes on the pages of God's Word, to get the words coming out of His mouth. Seek counsel from God's people, those who know God around you, those who are walking with God who may be able to help you with your situation. Do you go to them and say, can you help me find God's wisdom? You have any experience in a situation like this and seen what is wise and what is foolish? Friends, when we're coming to hear God's Word preached on, in sermons on Sunday morning, when we're coming to small groups together, when you, when you gather with your one-on-one -on -one discipleship in the week to, to talk through life, that, that's what we're really doing is coming together and saying, God, we need to hear from God's Word. We need God to give us wisdom. And when we walk with God, when we get God, so to speak, our lives get guarded. Look in verses 7 through 8. Wisdom comes from his, his mouth. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Then he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. God's wisdom is watching over you in your life. 
It's caring for you. Let me ask you a question. Does your car ever talk to you? The more modern your car is, I know Jeremy's 1980 Celica never did anything like this, but the more modern your car is, probably the more it talks to you. If you're approaching the car in front of you too fast, it will beep at you. If you put your car in gear, but a door's open, it will beep at you. If you are about to run out of, the, out of gas and need to change the oil, it will beep at you. If you don't have your seatbelt on, it will beep at you. It beeps when you are about to back into something. And the more you get to know your car, the more you know which beep signals which problem. Now, you could be mad about that. You ever been mad at your car? You ever had that beep going off and you didn't know what it was for? You feel like your car's beeping at you when you shouldn't? And it's a car. I know some of you in this room have been mad at a machine. We should be thankful for those beeps. Thank you, I, I didn't have my seatbelt on. Oh, oh, that was close. I almost hit the car in front of me. Oh, it's been 8,000 miles since I got a oil change. Maybe I should go in. Thank you for the reminder. A wise person wants to be guarded. That's what it means to walk with God in His wisdom. He's, he's guarding. That's what it's like to walk with God through life. He stores up wisdom for the upright. He, he's a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of His saints. God helps you. Those who are walking with Him, seeking Him, and listening to Him, He helps. And get this correct in your mind. God is not up there like a satellite looking down going, well, I hope they can figure this out. And I hope these idiots somehow figure this out and get it together. What happens when you walk with God? He is on the path with you. He has wisdom stored up. He's got a whole trunk full of wisdom whenever you need it a shield, a guard. He's watching your path. God is there on the path. Is your path guarded or shielded or is your path consumed with trouble and anxiety and destruction and brokenness? Notice the proverb says here, but for the upright, those who walk in integrity, on paths of justice, and His saints, He's guarding and shielding and watching. Friends, before you can walk on the good path of wisdom with God and enjoy His protection, enjoy His guidance and the beeps that keep us going, you must first make the choice to turn to God Himself. The first decision is not making new decisions about jobs and cars and addictions and money. The first decision to walk in wisdom is to be reconciled to God. God is guiding the upright. He's watching the saints. The way to start a right relationship with God is through Jesus Christ alone. God is not just a, a resource book to buy at Barnes and Noble and, and use to kind of get around the world. God is our creator. And we have sinned against him. We have gone down paths of wickedness and sinfulness. We've sinned against God, rebelled against God by living our own way, our own paths. God's not going to follow us down the path of wickedness and bless the path of wickedness. And without God, we are only ever on the path to eternal spiritual destruction. 
The first step on the path to wisdom is to put your faith in Jesus Christ as God's means of the forgiveness for your sins. There is no wisdom that does not begin with having your sin forgiven and your relationship with God renewed. Not because you did the right thing, not because you finally started listening to wisdom and you got better. And now you finally stopped making so many mistakes. Isn't that good? Good for you. You did the, you're, now you're doing the right thing. Now God's happy with you again. Now you're listening to wisdom. That's better. It doesn't begin like that. And it can never continue. It can never end like that. The only way to walk with God in wisdom is first to be forgiven of your sin and have a renewed relationship where God is no longer seeing you as an enemy. But he sees you as a son, as a daughter, cleansed by the blood of Jesus on the cross for you, his own son in the place of you, son, in the place of you, daughter, that you might be renewed back to him, be at peace with him. If you've not been walking with God, the first thing to do is not open the book of Proverbs and say, okay, God, start teaching me how to live my life. First, admit that you have lived your life on your own, that you've rejected God. You haven't been listening to God. You've been living in sin. Number two, believe that God sent Christ for you. Believe that Christ, God sent Christ for you, that Jesus is God's son, that he was sent to the world, that he walked in wisdom and fear of the Lord in all the ways that you could never do, that he died on the cross for your sins, that he raised from the dead. Believe that God sent Christ to forgive you of your sins. And then repent from living life on your own and in your own wisdom. Commit to follow Christ Commit to following God. Commit to listening to the Holy Spirit. So yes, this is an ABC. Admit that you believe in your own life, your own way. Believe that God has sent Christ for you. And commit to following the Father, Son, and Spirit with your life. That's where wisdom begins. A right relationship with the source of wisdom. Against whom we are in great debt because of our sin. Doesn't it make sense that you cannot oppose God and walk with God in wisdom at the same time. You can't continue in the path of sinfulness and get God's wisdom on the path of sinfulness. Come to God through Christ. Start walking with Him today. Once you get in the vehicle, so to speak, of Jesus Christ, God guides and guards and saves you, both in eternity and now. Does that mean that nothing bad is ever going to happen to us? Absolutely not. That's not what Proverbs is teaching. No, this is a shield and a guard and oversight for making decisions in life, for walking in wisdom and for walking in righteousness. Look what he says in chapter 2, verse 9. When we come with God, we have God as wisdom. When we are walking with Him, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity. Every good path Every good path. That's such good news. Every good path. And which path do we understand righteousness and justice and equity? All the good paths. What do I do with my life? What, what, what should I do for a job? What about marriage? What kind of house? How many kids? Car? Retirement? Funeral planning? What do I do with that boss at work? Etc. Etc. Here is something so 
freeing when it comes to making choices, plans, and deciding which road to go on in life. What God wants to help you understand is things like righteousness, justice, and equity, get this, on every good path. Every good path. You'll understand if you know God and righteousness and justice and equity, you'll understand wisdom on every good path. So many of us are so stuck and so frozen in decision paralysis because we have started to compare all the good paths in life to each other. Should I be a doctor or a counselor? Should I be a car mechanic or build houses? We, we get stuck thinking what is special about us is the job that we do or the things that we own or that righteousness and blessing is wrapped up in absolutely, seemingly, a moral choices. What matters is choices about jobs, what job we do. That, that, that's what it means to be right before God. Make sure we get the right choice about the right job and the right place. God cares about all of these things. But in the West, we are very different from the rest of the world. All over the world, you meet people and they will ask you your name and their second question will be what? Where are you from? Where's that name from? The most common question, second question in the West is what's your name? Well, what do you do? We've learned from so many sources that we all have a destiny. We have a fortune waiting for us if we can discover ourselves and discover what you are meant to be. But friends, notice that walking in wisdom with God is really about coming to understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. God is less concerned about whether you are a doctor or a car mechanic than he is that whatever you do, you do with godliness. That's wisdom. That's what we need wisdom to do. Is that a good path for my life? To know if you are in a good path in life, you don't have to know what, what job you're supposed to, to do or even the, the quote-unquote right person to marry. I remember sitting in a, in a seminary class and the question came up about marriage and, and who you should marry. And our seminary professor was giving us some, some kind of free marital engagement counseling. And he said, uh, you know, if you ever, he's talking to the ladies in the class and he we're talking about revelation in the class and God speaking and God communicating to people. And he was speaking to the ladies in the class. He says, ladies, if anyone ever comes to you and, and says, God told me that we should get married, you just, you just run. You just you go the other way. That, that man's idea of revelation is faulty, right? That's not how you get married. That's not why you get married. When it comes to making decisions, it's not so much about this one, or the rest of the illustration was this. You find a Christian woman, how do you know which Christian woman is the right one? His answer was the one that you ask and she says yes. Work for me. I only asked one girl to marry me. She said yes. God's less concerned about whether you're a doctor or a car mechanic than he is about that you do it with godliness. If you know that you're on a good path in life, you don't have to know what job you're supposed to have. You know, you have to fret if you're in the right vocation or if this is the right person or if this is the, the, the right city. I mean, absolutely, God cares about those things and will guide us and will help us, but we need not go to sleep at night fretting, anxious that we might go to the wrong college. Parents, don't emphasize with your kids 
to go to college and that your, what job they get is the main part of figuring out their calling and their identity. Oh, Johnny decided he's going to go be an engineer. Oh, the family cheers. He's found himself. Johnny figured it out. He's on, the, he's on the plane. He's on the road. There's a good income there. Meanwhile, Johnny's addicted to pornography. He has no idea how to treat women. He can't budget. He doesn't have any real friends because he uses everyone around him and no one wants to work with him because he won't listen to anyone. But let's go spend $100,000 to train him to be an engineer. That's foolishness. God is much less concerned about what career path you take or where you live or what you drive. I remember this guy in college, a friend, he had a Nissan Pathfinder and it started getting quote unquote old. All of a sudden he needed a new car. So he started to pray and he prayed and he asked God what kind of car he should get. And lo and behold, God led him, guided him, directed him that he should buy a Jeep Wrangler. And let him know. He let me know. I think this is the car that I'm supposed to get as a Jeep Wrangler and that God's going to give it to me. So he got fixed on Jeep Wrangler. And shocker, he ended up buying a Jeep Wrangler. And then he told everyone the story about how God got him that Jeep. I just remember thinking, you spoiled bread. You have turned God into a car salesman. You turned God's wisdom about justice and righteousness, God's guarding and caring for you into getting a Jeep Wrangler. Well, friends, God certainly cares about every detail of our lives more than you could even imagine. Every penny of your budget, He knows it and sees it and cares about it. But if there is a car A and it is just and wise and God-honoring to purchase, and then there is a car B which is unwise and foolish, take car A. Take job A, marry boy or girl A. But if both car A and car B are both morally neutral in a sense, God-honoring, humble purchases, you don't have to be afraid that one is God's plan for you and the other is a failure. That's not what kind of wisdom that we need. The thinking that God wants us to give us this job over that job or to bless us with that thing or, or that house instead of that house and trying to figure out what God's plan for us in material things. We're on the cusp of the prosperity gospel if we haven't already arrived there. We're finding out God's plan for our stuff and our comfort and knowledge that keeps us from suffering too much and getting too bothered and gets us ahead in the world and God always give me ahead, always give me the wisdom to go forward and our comfort and our knowledge and our stuff and not God himself is our great treasure. What foolishness. What foolishness. Be free from the false idea of wisdom being that we know everything that God knows. That his singular goal is to tell us everything that he's going to do. All the places that we might wind up. Don't believe the lie that wisdom is knowing God's secret knowledge for you. God's wisdom guides us into righteousness. God's wisdom guides us into justice. God's wisdom guards the way of equity. God loves to protect and ensure and support and build up His likeness, godliness in His people. The Proverbs really come down to God's command to his people, I am holy, therefore you be holy. So that wherever we go, so that whatever we do, whatever your vocation is, whatever kind of car you have, whatever house you live, however much or little money you have, you can glorify God by walking in the wisdom 
of righteousness, justice, and equity. The longer you live, the more you will find that God providentially cared for you while you were making decisions about what house to buy or what job to take or what woman to marry. Even if you made mistakes, God seems to providentially work so many things out that you could never plan, you could never choose, you would have never chosen on your own wisdom. But God cares for those things. See how it is that God's wisdom guards you. Verse 11, discretion will watch over you if you're walking with God. Understanding will guard you. What is it going to help you watch, have discretion from? How, what is it going to help you understand? Look in verse 12. Delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness, that is righteousness, delivering you from the ways of those who walk in the ways of darkness, delivering you from those who rejoice in doing evil, delivering you from those who delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Oh, that's what we need help from. That is what we need help from. God, in your wisdom, help us not go down the path of evil and darkness and perverseness and crookedness. Help us not walk in a foolish way. So he says in verse 16, if we're walking with God in his wisdom, verse 16, so you will be delivered from the forbidden woman from the adulteress with her smooth words. Now, yes, Proverbs has much to say about illicit sexual immorality, and it will be in chapters to come, in the weeks to come. But this passage is actually comparing the woman of wisdom to the woman of foolishness. We saw in the passage last week that wisdom is like a woman calling out in the street, eager to be heard at the gates. Proverbs 1, 20 to 21, wisdom cries aloud in the street, and in the market, she raises her voice. At the end of the noisy street, she, wisdom, cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, in other words, every time you come into the city, there's wisdom. There she is speaking, listen, listen, listen. There's another woman. Her name is Folly. Her name is Foolishness. If you walk with God in wisdom, so you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. You ever notice that things that are not wise sometimes sound fun, so promising, so fruitful, so comforting, so pleasurable, her smooth words? She forsakes the companion of her youth. Foolishness forgets the covenant of her God. Foolishness doesn't care about God and His covenant and His faithfulness. It just goes to do what you want. And her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back. Nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of good and keep to the paths of righteousness. Your entire life, temporally, eternally, will be saved from the whispering siren 
of foolishness if you walk with God. Look what he says in verse 21 and 22. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. What in the world is he talking about? The upright will inhabit the land. Those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. This makes sense to an ancient Israelite. God called Abram, the first Israelite, said, you're going to be my people, and I'm going to be your God. He promised to Abraham, to Jacob, to Isaac, and then to Moses, then to Joshua, that we're going to go into this land over here, and I'm going to give you that land, and I will push all of the enemies out of it. And if you walk according to my statutes and my commandments, if you are holy like I am holy, you will be in the land forever, and it will be your joy to be with me as my people. Almost like God with Adam and Eve in the garden. Everything will be great. But he says over and over and over, if you get into the land and you worship idols, if you get into the land and you walk according to foolishness, you get into the land and you fall in love with the adulterous idolatry of the nations around, the land's going to spit you out. That's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. They went into exile. They were taken out of the land into Assyria, taken out of the land into Babylon. And what we're finding here in the book of Proverbs is that wisdom is part of what separates man throughout history and eternity. Wisdom is part of that relationship that we have with God about which God relates to us and where we are in the world. Obedience versus rebellion in the garden. Adam and Eve were in the garden. They chose to listen to another voice instead of God's voice, and they were removed from the garden. We see obedience versus rebellion. Israel was sent into exile. They were sent out of the land that God had given them because they did not believe. Likewise for heaven itself, as we've seen in the book of Revelation. Faith in Jesus Christ versus disbelief. Friends, if you do not believe and trust in Jesus Christ, you will not find your way to heaven, but be removed from it. Add to that list wisdom and foolishness. Proverbs is adding to this list wisdom and foolishness. The path to hell is not only that of lust and pleasure, of money and fame. It's laced with foolishness and folly. How did Israel find themselves on the path to Babylon, on the path to exile out of the land which God had given them? They were fools. They did not walk in God's righteousness. They spurned God's means of guarding them and keeping them in the garden with Him. His, his law, they despised it. So Jeremiah says it like this in Jeremiah 6, 16. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is. And walk in it and find rest for your souls. But Israel said, we will not walk in it. We won't go down the path of wisdom. You want to walk the good path now 
and forever. Go to God. Walk in wisdom by walking with God. Renew your relationship today by admitting your own sins, by admitting the path of evil that you've been on, that we're all born into, the heart that doesn't want to listen to God. Admit it, confess it, and believe. The only way that we could be right with God is not just getting on a new path, but if God would make us a new person. If Jesus Christ's life would be in our place, that his blood shed for us would be the forgiveness of us and that by that forgiveness we could be renewed in a right relationship with God and then start walking with God by listening to him for every one of those thousand decisions we make every single day. Oh, make your heart attentive to God. Search out wisdom in God like you search for treasure. God may not guard you from every bad thing that could ever happen. Jesus walked in righteousness and it took him straight to the cross. But walk with God in wisdom and be guarded from evil, wicked paths of destruction. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word to us that we can come here and take a rest from hearing our own thoughts. That by being here, we can come and close off the faulty, shallow wisdom of the world. We can open our eyes and our hearts and our minds to hear from you. Would you help us even now, Father, as we pray? Help us repent right now. Help us repent from closed Bibles, help us repent from not asking for help from godly brothers and sisters. Help us repent from thinking we are the source of wisdom in our own lives. Help us repent from thinking we can stay in sin and still get wisdom from you. When your wisdom is about righteousness and justice. Help us seek forgiveness for our sin. Help us recognize that what you're really planning for us, what you really want for us, what you really want us to know is righteousness and justice and equity. That we would be godly in our lives. Father, this week as we face many kinds of questions about directions and times and places, help us not be anxious about amoral material things. Help us be anxious about righteousness and godliness. That wherever we do, whatever house we buy, whatever driveway we pull into, whatever car we drive, whatever job we go to, we would just be grateful for your provision and we would seek for your wisdom to know how to live like you in it. Father, we love you. We pray all these things together in Jesus' name. Amen.